it's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. Try to come to you every Thursday at 7 p.m. and Central Time and every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Central Time, bring you a message from God's Word. And I pray that you will listen attentively and that if you find it to be in accordance with God's Word, then you will give us a like if you're on Facebook or YouTube and, and share it. And, of course, others may be listening through some other means, the radio show or through uh, uh, the podcast. But either way, help us spread the word. Help us to get the message out so that other people can be benefited by this. If you have any questions concerning this message I bring to you this evening or any other message I might bring to you, uh, you can call or text me at 816-686-9517. That's 816-686-9517. Again, keep in mind, I'm in the central time zone. Or you can email me at gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So whether or not you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, uh, leave a comment in the comment section if you are. or Otherwise, you can just uh, contact me another way and let me know if there's anything that I can do. and in future lessons to be able to help you. Okay, tonight's lesson, we are going to, uh, this is a pretty good lesson, I think. We're going to talk about cracks in the wall. And, of course, that wall is a metaphor. Um, You know, walls are, uh, fortresses are are surrounded. Uh, They're they're made with walls. I mean, let's face it. If you go back to the the West and you look at the old Westerns, the Army always had a fortress. And there were timbers, you know, the timber walls that went up. And, um, of course, you know, if you go back into the castles back in the medieval times, and they had walls made out of stone and things of that nature. And so when we're talking about cracks in the wall, we're looking about something that is there to protect us. Remember, we're talking about a metaphor, something that's there that we have to watch out for. And, of course, now we're talking about our faith. Is there cracks in the wall of our faith? In other words, is there a danger of us falling to something and falling away from God? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're concerned about. And that's what the lesson is going to be about this evening. And hopefully we're going to be able to glean from this and we'll be able to uh, uh, apply uh, some of these things that we've talked about into our lives to make our wall, as a metaphor again, stronger so that we can withstand all the uh, arrows of the devil. Now, when we're talking about the walls or fortresses, the Bible talks about these. This isn't something I just made up. Um, King Uzzah, for instance, in Second Chronicles 26, uh, you know, before he went into the temple and took matters into his own hands and and he tried to do that which was not lawful and in the uh, uh, offering, you know, the sacrifices of the priests. But it said in Second Chronicles 26 and verse 15, before that took place, it said he made machines 
and, and invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones, and his fame spread far, where he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So, I mean, if we're if I, I believe what we're talking about is towers on each end of a of a fortress or, or where there, a city is walled. And so he put towers there. And then, of course, they were armed. And if you have an upper position, of course, you know, you're in a position of strength. Uh, he had very um, unique um, military tools at that time, uh, something that shot arrows. And then, of course, the great stones. It sounds like he's talking about a catapult. And I don't know if you've ever seen a catapult in action before, but I uh, have a friend who is an engineer who built one, and uh, it was it was shot with air, filled with compressed air, and and it was it was pretty fun to watch. It was amazing. It would it would launch uh, it would launch you know pumpkins. He 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 would light pumpkins at his place. He had a party, and he'd put them on fire and shoot them you know 100, 150 yards down a field. And it, it was fun to watch that thing flying through the air. But uh, that's what they did back then. They used these uh, uh, tools, military tools, in order to be able to gain an advantage, which they already had being on a wall. So that was there to protect themselves. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, in verse 3 through 5, we read how Moses is recounting uh, some of the, the cities that they uh, overtook when they were in the wilderness. And uh, one such city was Bashan. And uh, it, it talked about uh, these, these cities that uh, were fortified with high walls, gates, bars. Uh, and so these things took place. I mean, these things were there so that people could live inside the wall and feel like they have added protection. Now, we're getting somewhere, okay? We're, we're just giving a little background here, talking about walls that we notice in the Bible. Uh, in Psalms 48, for instance, now we're going to get to the metaphor part of the lesson. In Psalms 48, in verse 1 through 3, the psalmist said, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion is the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. Think about that. So God is a fortress to Jerusalem. That's, that's, he's talking about a wall supposedly, but uh, a fortress. Uh, this is God protecting a city like a wall would protect a city. And then in first Peter five, verse eight through nine, we find out why we need to be protected. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We have an adversary. Anyone who builds walls or a fortress around their, where they live, they do so to protect themselves from an adversary. And so these uh, cities that Moses mentioned, uh, they needed protection. Uh, King Uzzah, the reason he, he weaponized uh, those towers was because they needed protection. And in the same way, when we're talking about a Christian and, and the attacks that might come from his adversary, you know, he needs, he needs to be protected. 
And so in some way you might think of he needs a wall, not an actual wall, but some type of metaphorical wall to protect himself. And of course we know that's God, but there are things that we do in order to make sure that that wall is in good condition. I'm sure that anyone who had a wall, they would send people out to inspect that from time to time to make sure there was no cracks in it. You know, they'd want to make sure that everything was shored up because if somebody came with a battering ram, they're going to attack the weakest part. And of course, that would be a place where there would be cracks in the wall. And so on, no doubt about it, they would go around looking and inspecting their walls to make sure they were strong. And so Christians are no different when we're, again, we're talking metaphorically. Christians are no different. We need to inspect our spiritual wall so that the devil's not going to get an advantage. That's something that's very, very important. And um, when we do this, then that's going to help us be stronger. All right, so what are some of the cracks? How do we identify problems? Because I'm sure the people who they would send out to inspect those walls, I'm sure they were trained. They were told what to look for. They knew exactly what type of weaknesses were in these walls uh, so that they could spot the problems that were really problems. And so when we're looking like that, we need to make sure that we're trained as well so that when we are considering our spiritual life, we're, we're looking to make sure that everything is secure and strong. And the only way we can do that is to be trained by the Bible. God's word has to tell us how to do that. Now, we got a few points here, and I'm sure there's more that we can mention. We got a few points here that I want to bring up this evening, and I think it's going to be beneficial. And the first one is, are you watching? So when you're considering your spiritual wall, you have to ask yourself, are you watching for your adversary? Are you watching for trouble? Are you watching to be attacked? You know, the Bible says a lot about watching. In Galatians chapter 6, in verse 1, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. In a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Now, I want you to think about that. This is someone who has a task, and it's it, it, something that takes place in the Lord's kingdom, and I've been in these shoes before. It's a pretty stressful thing. Uh, you, you're going to try to restore somebody. You may be going to their house, and you may be going to sit at their dinner table, and then you're going to uh, communicate to them in a way that you are very concerned for their soul. And that can cause some uneasiness. Uh, believe it or not, I've been kicked out of a man's house twice for that. Uh, he kicked me out twice. He invited me back each time, but yeah, he kicked me out of his house twice. So, I mean, it's, it is something that uh, is, you don't engage in this without uh, a little bit of trepidation. I know we're not supposed to fear but uh, this is this is something you got to get used to. This is something you got to experience. And so when you're thinking about that task where you have to go to someone and tell them that you think that they uh, might be missing the mark and you're wanting to restore them, the scriptures are very clear. You keep watch on yourself. 
lest you too be tempted. So in other words, he's saying, be careful, you don't sin. So you're going in to do the task, but you got to make sure you're making sure that your wall is strong. Now, what do you think might could happen in a situation like that? Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, that person may lose their temper and you might lose yours. And in so doing, you could be tempted. Uh, that man could start crying. And, you know, you might be tempted to say, well, everything's okay. I didn't mean to upset you because your heartstrings are getting pulled. And again, you can't do that either because that goes against what the truth is teaching. Uh, there are certain things that can take place in a very high stressful situation that you have to keep watch on yourself. And so uh, humility is something else you got to make sure that you're watching after knowing that all men sin and that uh, if you are able to restore this man, it may be him restoring you in the future. And so humility is something you can't, <clears throat> you got to watch to make sure pride doesn't enter the picture. But watching is something you have to do, something that's very, very important. And we have to ask ourselves, are we watching? Are we being careful about the things that we're doing? Now, Jesus, when he was in the garden the night that he was betrayed, notice what he told his disciples. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch. You got to be watching out for temptation. You got to be got to be careful because the devil comes and whenever he wants to come. The enemy doesn't make an appointment. The enemy comes at an opportune time for the enemy. And he's going to look for weaknesses. He wants to find a time when you're not watching. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, "Watch and pray." that you don't enter into temptation. You got to be on guard for that. And so you have to ask yourself, are you on guard or are you caught up in all the uh, uh, frivolous items of the world? In other words, if you're out going to some party somewhere, then uh, if you're getting drunk and, and you're, you're partying, so to speak, you're not watching and your soul's in jeopardy because you aren't watching and you're, you're in a position where you're extremely, extremely vulnerable. Uh, that's not a good place to be. When we're watching and we're praying so that we don't enter into temptation, then the Lord's saying you need to be sober-minded. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul makes that same type of comment to the young evangelist Timothy. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, keep a close watch on yourself. In other words, you know the work of an evangelist. Keep a close eye. Make sure you're doing it. Make sure you're doing it right. It's important that evangelists always make sure that the message that they're teaching is right with God. And then they got to think about how they're presenting it. Are they presenting it in a godly manner? That's something that's also something that we have to watch for. Because again, we can get caught up in error oh so quickly, and it's a dangerous thing. Watching, or the lack of watching, I should say, 
is a crack in the wall. And if you are not watching, you need to, you need to shore that crack up. Let's go on to the next point. The love of the truth. Oh, you got to love that truth because it is the truth by which we can be saved. Uh, it's the truth that enables us to be saved. Notice what 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 and 10, this is making reference to many people who will lose their soul all because they don't love the truth. Now, he's talking about this uh, lawless one that we're not going to get into in this passage. But notice what he says. He says, uh, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and, uh, and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Why do people perish? Because they don't love the truth. You know, the truth is not always easy to accept. Some of it is. Many of it may be for you. I mean, you may agree with much of what God teaches. You may like the, what he says about love. You know, you may like the fact that you're supposed to love your family and love your, your wife and your kids. You may like those things. But what about loving your enemy and praying for them and doing good for them? Oh, now we're getting into a different type of situation, and that can be harder to do. Now that's where, that's where we got to be careful because that's what the truth teaches. The truth is going to teach us things that conflict with what we're used to. Are we willing to conform our life to the truth? Or are we wanting to bend the truth to conform to our lives? Unfortunately, the latter is what most people do, and that's because they don't love the truth. When we hear the truth, we should love it so much that we are willing to conform, to change, because we know the truth comes from God, and this is what's going to make us right with God. But we have to have a love for the truth. In John chapter 3 and verse 19 through 21, Jesus said, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Yeah, not everybody loves the truth, because it exposes their evil practices, and they don't want to give them up. So again, when we're inspecting our wall, we have to ask ourselves, do we love the truth? Or do we love a form of the truth or maybe just some of the truth? We have to love the truth. And that is the complete mystery of God. We have to be willing to conform. God is God. We are not. And it's up to us to say amen. That's our complete purpose in life. Let's talk about another point. Practicing godliness. You know, that's something that we need to do as well. And if we're not doing that, then there is a big crack in our wall because the scriptures teach that we should be doing this. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, really, we ought to read the whole passage 
because there's there's different things that are said there that we need to be doing, like adding to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and things of that nature. But he summed it all up in verse 10. He said, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And so what he's talking about is, are you doing these things? Are you being obedient? Because the more you practice anything, the better you're going to get. You know, it's funny. I've been, my job, my chore around the house is to take, uh, to uh, load and unload the dishwasher. And uh, every once in a while, my family would throw things in there, and they still do. And, you know, I'm like, boy, you guys just got it out of whack. And then one night, everybody was trying to load it up, and they're like, well, it's just too packed. We can't get anything in. And I just looked up, and I opened it up, and I mean, within three or four seconds, I had everything stacked up and put in perfectly, and everything fit, and it was ready to go. And people, you know, the people were looking at me, my family, and they were like, wow, that's that's impressive. And I'm like, well, you know, if you've been doing something for you know many years, you're going to get good at organizing the dishwasher. Now, that's just... And that's just a silly point, but it's a good point to make. I've been practicing doing it, and I was better at it than them. And that's the way it is with anything. If you practice something, you're going to get better at it. And so do we treasure God's word enough to practice these qualities? Are we doing it? Are we living it so that we can become better at it? Because the Bible says if you do these things, you're not going to fall. That passage should be stuck in our mind. And we should be thinking about those things that we need to do. Now, Paul says basically the same thing in Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice. Practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. Practice these things. We got to be doing these things. If we're not doing them, then again, we got a crack in the wall and that's got to be shored up. The last point I have is, are you fighting against the will of God? Are you accepting the will of God as the Bible is uh, teaches? And uh, there are those who many times try to oppose the will of God, and that's a big crack in the wall if you're trying to oppose God. Let's let's consider the Jericho walls in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2 through 5. You know, it was the Lord who brought down those walls. You know, they marched around Jericho for six days, and on the seventh day, they uh, they marched around seven times, and then they blew the trumpets, made a great shout, and uh, and then all of a sudden the walls of the city fell. Now, why did they fall? Well, it was God's will that they fall. And when God caused that uh, uh, wall to fall, that's when the people went in and and uh, they defeated Jericho. And, and of course, uh, they took other spoils and brought them to the Lord's treasury, all but Achan, who uh, ended up getting in trouble for taking some of the spoils and burying them in his tent, which is another story for another day. But needless to say, 
uh, the Lord's will was for those walls to come down, and they did. And so there wasn't nothing that they, you know, those people in Jericho could do. Those walls were going to come down. Now, in Acts chapter 5, Gamal, who was not even a Christian, noticed the folly of fighting against God's will. Uh, no, let's, let's, this is when uh, the uh, uh, apostles, uh, they had to appear before the council because they were teaching and Jesus and converting a lot of people. And these, these guys were getting a little jealous. And it says a Pharisee in the council named Gamal, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutius rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, um, joined him, and he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And so they took his advice. Now think about what he's saying. And this is someone who was not a Christian. He's saying that God's will will always win. God's will, we should not be opposing. This was a non-Christian saying that. We should not oppose God's will. But yet people do every time they sin. It's because they're willing to do something instead of accepting God's will. 1 John 3, 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So why do people go out and get drunk? Because they want to. Why do people go out and cheat on their, their mates? Because they want to. Why do people do drugs? Because they want to. Even though the scriptures say don't do it, they do it anyway because their will is to do something that conflicts with God's will. Now, if that be the case in your life, guess what? you got a huge crack in your wall. You're going to have to change that because God's will, you're not going to defeat. God is always going to win. When he wills something like he did in Jericho, those walls came down. And so we have to remember, God doesn't lose. God always wins. And we have to accept that. And we do accept that by being obedient to our Savior. When you're inspecting for cracks in your spiritual wall, remember, be watching, love the truth, practice godliness, and accept the will of God. Don't try to oppose it. You will be defeated. All right, that's the lesson. I hope it's been good for you. If you're ever in the Kearney, Missouri area, hey, would you come look us up? We are at 406 North Clark. We meet for Bible study on 930 Sunday morning Central Time and then have worship at uh, 1030. Love to have you join us. Uh, you can learn all about the church, get directions, uh, phone number, whatever you got to know. It's, you can go to CarneyChurch.com and uh, you know, please come visit us. Now, if you like this lesson, you want to hear more like that, tune to KPGZ 102.7 FM every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., and you'll hear me preaching God's will. That's 7 a.m. Central Time. 
And uh, if you live outside of Kearney, you won't be able to pick up the signal. That's not a problem. They have an, an app, KPGZ does, you can download and you can listen anywhere in the world. So be sure to download their app and you can hear these lessons. Uh, Gospel Preaching Live is on Spotify and Google Podcasts. So if you prefer to download and listen to them, you know, as you drive or whatever, uh, I just recently started uh, putting the videos on Spotify. So you might even uh, look for that as well. But needless to say, they, they are there. And then uh, one more show, one more announcement. Berean Spirits is an internet show that I'm on with two other preachers where we study a different topic each week. It airs every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Time. And uh, those who are watching on Facebook and YouTube are invited to take part by making comments. You can do the same by going to carneychurch.com and pressing on the Berean Spirits app. It'll take you where you need to be. Now, if you don't see, uh, if you can't watch us live, doesn't matter. It's it's still going to be up there on Facebook and YouTube, but you can also uh, download it as a podcast on Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts. Look for Gospel Preaching with Berean Spirits, and you'll be able to find it. All right, that's all I got for you. Lord willing, I'll come to you again this Sunday at 6 p.m. Until then, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes. And to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.